Well, we've um, uh, started on a series called uh, The Faith Life. And uh, it's a lifestyle, don't you know? It's a lifestyle that we're called to. And uh, the Lord has called each of us to the same lifestyle of faith. And um, living above the natural circumstances uh, of, of life and, and not under them. Who's been under the circumstances of life before? Three of us. Good. Oh, we'll just have a little talk over to ourselves over here in the corner. <laughs> I don't know about anyone else, but sometimes I've felt the, the weight of life's circumstances on me. And then I've learned that that is not God's way. That's not God's best for us. And we should learn to live above the circumstances of life. Not being full of fear, but full of faith. Trusting God for his will, his will, his promises to be done in our life. And, uh, and again, as we walk close to the Lord, we, got, we, we start to understand and get a, an appreciation for his will uh, for our lives. First takeaway for you today is, get this, God's will for our lives is in his word. I'll say that again, because I might get an amen. amen. God's will for our lives is in his word. Amen. Amen. And we've we got to get a hold of that because uh, whether it's the written word or whether it's the spoken word, God's will for our lives is in his word. And, uh, and of course, the beauty of that, the safety for us in that is, is that his spoken word to us, that which he reveals to us, is never going to contra- contradict his written word. There's a balance. And it's a safe balance for us all to um, occupy ourselves with. That's why we study the Word and renew our minds to the Word of God so we don't get caught out and deceived into thinking something outside of the Word of God. We're called to a lifestyle of speaking God's Word with authority. Get to that place where we know the Word and we can speak into a situation with authority. Make a declaration. Make a decree about how this is going to turn out. And walk away with a peace in your heart that if anyone knew what you were doing, they'd think you are crazy. Because of the, you know, the difficulty that you're in or the circumstances that you appear to be under. And um, Jesus demonstrated that level of faith in his own life here on earth so we could know it's a life that we're also called to. He demonstrated it for us many occasions through the, through the Gospels. One day, Jesus, one day Jesus asked his disciples, where is your faith? He's asking, you're putting the question back to them, where's your faith? And uh, I like those verses. Um, we'll just look at them today in uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Now, it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as he sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water. And they were in jeopardy. I can tell you a story about jeopardy. My goodness. I remember. Now, some of you might be old enough to know the, uh, uh, the typical ferry ride from Perth or, or Fremantle in the day. Uh, uh, Barrack Street jetty up the river, out through Fremantle and then across to Rottnest Island. Who's done that trip a few times? Who remembers the Rottnest Islander? I guess... Oh, well, I've got a story from being absolutely petrified as a kid going across to Rottnest Island. You know, where we were, we left. My dad was a keen fisherman and uh, he always used to drag me fishing. I, used to, I wasn't much of a, a keen fisherman, probably still not, 
but he dragged me fishing, you know, and, uh, and my brother was the keen fisherman, of course I wasn't. And you've heard those stories, the comparisons between the two brothers. So, uh, but I'd get dragged fishing, and so there we were out early on the ferry on our way over to Rottnest Island. And I tell you, we got half, probably, you know, it was a little bit stormy as we took off, and my, my brother and I got away from our seats, and, and there we were uh, playing around a little bit, and I must have been all of, you know, eight or nine years old. My brother was two years older, and so he's, he's having fun, and we're, we're sort of trying to sort of, you know, keep on our feet. And we hit this... We hit this wave and then came up the top. We both went in the air. My brother started to roll toward the edge where you could just fall over. Back in those days, there was no, you know, gates or anything. My dad reached over and grabbed him. I'm laying on the ground. Uh, by this time, there's uh, people are vomiting, you know, <laughs> on the boat and it's just, you know, you know, slushing away. It was a, it was a nightmare of a boat trip. And anyway, at some point during this, and honestly, we're getting a one metre swell, you know what I mean, as, as we're going across. And, and I'm feeling wheezy, and I said to my dad, I said, I want to go down. I want to go down to the toilet. I want to go down. He goes, all right, go, go. So I'm gra- he says, grab the rail. So I'm grabbing the rail, and I'm, I'm down these stairs, and out comes the captain. And there's a captain of the ship, you know, and I grabbed him by the raincoat, and I said, turn around. Let's go back. <laughs> The captain of the Rottnest Islander had this big intercessory appeal for me, turn around, go back, you know. And I'm always reminded of that when I read this scripture because I felt that they wanted to turn around as well, you know. And the funny thing was, Jesus is sleeping in the boat. He's not touched, he's not moved, he's not in any way um, scared of this crisis and he's sleeping. And you know, here's the point. In the storm, if we do it right, so can we. You don't have to be moved. You don't have to lose your sleep. You don't have to be all up all night, you know, hours of the night, pacing up and down. I heard another preacher talking about this huge financial pressure he was under with his building. He'd built a big building. It was over in Johannesburg. And he was up in the middle of the night, pacing around. He's saying, what am I going to do about this? I have to have this amount of money in the bank by tomorrow morning. And he was just so, you know, uh, caught up with the pressure of that, you know, that, that thing. Well, it was not in the morning, it was like that week. And, um, and the Lord interrupted him in the middle of his pacing up and down and spoke to him and said to him, how much money can you get before morning? And he, and he just and he said, none. He says, well, go back to sleep. bringing a reality into the situation is is that you know we have to rely on him you know and we have to find our peace in his promises and his word and i like this particular passage because it goes on in verse 24 and it says and they came to him and awoke him saying master master we are perishing and then he arose he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm but he said to them where is your faith He put it right back on them. Where is your faith? Why were you so alarmed? Why were you so afraid? And in life circumstances, when they're against us, we have to ask ourselves, are we going to be full of faith or are we going to be full of fear? Are we going to be the ones that are running around madly and up in the middle of the night, concerned and worried about what's going to happen if if we're not able to find the thing that we need to do or are we going to trust in God? I know what the answer is, is that we need to trust in God. And it says... And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be 
for he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. You know, that's the very word that we're coming into a, agreement with, where even, even the natural elements will obey the word, and the word that we can speak, the word that we can believe. And my message is very much about that today. Where to go on in this life, developing that discipline of speaking and believing God's word in the face of life's storms, you know, adversity and circumstances that are beyond us. We already know they're beyond us, so there's no revelation there. They're out of our control. But if we'll put our trust in God and if we'll speak his word and we'll believe his word in our heart and speak it, you watch as a dynamic combination that will bring change to your circumstance. If we do our part, we've said this before, it's part of our now words that we've received from the Lord before, but if we'll do our part, he'll do his. The thing is we have to do our part. If we want to see the, the, the storms calmed. If you remember after Moses died, Joshua takes over the leadership of three million people by then. And uh, coming out of the land of Egypt and the leadership advice, uh, you know, he gets is about, you know, as he's about to take the people into the promised land is not what some would expect. It's not strategic leadership theory. It's not let's create a think tank of, you know, the smartest people in the, in the, from every tribe and have them form an advisory committee to tell us what we should do to go into this promised land, you know. Uh, that's not God's way. And how many of you know that the smartest people don't always choose God's way? Because the scriptures say, what does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. So sometimes people who are really good at nutting things out, smart with their brain and with their mind, they're always analysing what, you know, nothing wrong with that. But usually, sometimes those are the people of the most disadvantaged when it comes to walking in faith because we walk by faith and not by sight. The things that we know, the things that we can tangibly hold on to and understand, write down on an analysis sheet and work out. The smartest people don't always choose God's way. You know, we can read about, you know, what happened for Joshua uh, in the first chapter. And note well, it's all about hearing and doing God's word. And it says in Joshua verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7 to 8, or 8 through to 9, I think, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Have you ever meditated the word of God? That's when we get a hold of a promise of God and we start to think on it. Start to just think on that promise and start to just really focus on it. Uh, that's when we are at that stage in our Christian lives where we actually write it on a little post-it note and we stick it on our bathroom mirror or anywhere we, or on the fridge. And we've got that scripture there and we're learning it and we're muttering it and we're speaking it and we're saying. And what we're doing is we're saying what God's saying about our situation. We found a promise that fits our circumstance and we stick with the word. You know, our minds might be going somewhere else, but we grab ourselves by the ears and we make sure that we're speaking that word, speaking that promise, saying what God says. And of course, it's powerful and important. So she'll meditate in it day and night. What for? That you may observe to do. Because we're called not just to be hearers of the word, we're called to be doers of the word. According to all that is written in it, Look what he says, for then you'll make your way prosperous 
and you will have good success. Who's going to make your way prosperous? Here's a question for you. Who's going to make your way prosperous? God or you? Mm, good question, isn't it? You, but this is the point. It's kind of a bit of both because you have to choose God's way. You, it, 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 you know, uh, God's not going to do it without your participation. God's not going to do it without you saying, I'm on, I'm in. You know, I'm on this boat and I tell you what, this storm's got to go down. And... Um, and become calm. And of course we have to do our part if God's going to do his part. We saw last week from Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 to 10 is a verse that establishes the very way into the life of faith. You cannot lead a life of faith outside of having faith in Jesus as your saviour. You cannot have a life of faith outside of having a faith in Jesus Christ. And... Um, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, but what does it say? The Lord is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Verse 12, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, the working of faith does not stop there at the point that we first receive our salvation. Understand that? It's like, saving faith we talked about it just briefly last week but this is the understanding of it there's saving faith the faith that brings us into relationship with God you know we believe in the heart we confess with the mouth the pastor at the front or a friend who leads us through a prayer of salvation which involves us confessing the Lord Jesus and believing in our heart unto righteousness the Bible says that's how we receive that gift that right standing with God now is through that uh, saving faith that is first generated because we heard the word of God. The word of God came and we believed it. And then, of course, then we spoke it in that confession. I see it like the way we are saved, the, the manner in which we come into the new life that is in Christ is the way that God wants us to keep living. Believing in the heart, confessing with the mouth. Okay, here's a question for you. Who is the door? Who is the door? Jesus is the door, exactly. And we come into new life through the framework of faith. Uh, believing the word of God in our heart, confessing uh, the word of God with our mouth. That's that framework of faith. But the door is Jesus. Just get a hold of that concept and I'll, I'll tease that out a little bit. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 says, By faith... We understand that the worlds were framed. Look at that word framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. How did God create the heavens and the earth? How did he do it? He spoke them into existence. John, you've been reading my notes. <laughs> it was the same framework of faith that he used. Believed and spoke. Believed and spoke. And there's power in that. We must never forget that it is the framework of faith. And the door is always Jesus. 
the door. You know, the framework cannot be detached from the door. The framework is, the do uh, is what goes around the door, which is Jesus. We've got to remember that. John uh, 14 and verse 1 to 4 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe, also, uh, believe in me as well. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you what I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you into my presence so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going, is Jesus talking to his disciples. The way to the place where Jesus went is always going to be the same. Always going to be the same. All roads, get this, all roads do not lead to God. You may have heard that before. People out there, people with philosophies and belief systems uh, that are not Christian, believe that all roads lead to God and you're going to get there somehow. We must understand that. Don't ever get deceived into thinking that that hippie down at the markets... It looks so enlightened and, you know, you, you love their free lifestyle. They seem so spiritually enlightened and they, you know, doing their tarot cards for guidance and, of course, fill their house with crystals. You know the ones I'm talking about. They've got two kids. One's called Moon and the other one's called Jupiter, all right? And, and you know, <laughs> don't be deceived, okay? They have the same way to go as you and I went. The only problem is, is they're going to have to work their way through some of these other things that are apparently spiritually enlightening to them. All right? We need to be mindful of that. And perhaps the reason you're in their life is to teach the truth of the gospel to them and help them find Christ and find God through Christ. They have to go through the same door. There's no other door. You can't sneak up some other way into heaven with some other belief system. You have to go through Jesus Christ. John 14 and verse 5 to 6 says, Lord, said Thomas, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, famous scripture, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Don't let anyone deceive you about their connection to God, you know, and through their sense of, you know, knowing and feeling the earth and all of those things. Hug as many trees as you like. You're just not going to connect with God the Father that way. You have to go through Jesus the Son. Amen. It is, it's been set from the foundation of the earth. Before the universe was ever created, the Lamb was slain. In the mind of God, the Lamb was going to be slain. And that was our Lord Jesus Christ, who was in the mind of God as having to pay the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of mankind, so mankind could be saved through him, not through any other. All the rest of it is froth and bubble. Okay? It's, there's no substance to it. Jesus is the cornerstone. But don't get me started, John, on that one. Um, <laughs> I did a little framework there for you. What's the frame? The framework is the word of God, believing in the heart, confessing with the mouth, but the door will always be Jesus. Remember that, the framework of faith. And this is important to see because the door is Jesus. He's the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father by him. The door will never change. Read the Bible for yourself. Salvation is on the basis of believing in Jesus as your saviour. And we should always be cautious. We, if we ever see a disconnect 
between the framework of faith and the Word of God is missing or the door is missing. Jesus is not the central truth. We need to watch out because that's deception. And, you know, uh, there's people out there, and you, you know, there's a whole kind, you know, all kinds of uh, teachings you need to watch out. The teaching of faith is this. Believing with the heart, confessing with the mouth must never be taken to the extreme so that they can apply it and use it as a framework without and outside of God's purposes, outside of Jesus being the door. No connection to Jesus. Watch out when you see social media posts that are merely positive. All right, watch out for those. They might give you a warm, fuzzy feeling. Just a fleeting, warm, fuzzy feeling, a little positive little, you know, thing that, you know, it's all about me. That's not all about you. It's all about Jesus. Amen. And uh, it's not about you feeling better for your day because of that little positive saying. There's nothing wrong with it, but I'm just sort of saying, make sure that you're given to the purpose of preaching Jesus Christ as the answer. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, if therefore the light that is in you, I'll say it again, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, if what you think has enlightened your life is actually darkness, it says that that darkness is really great. This is Jesus talking. Now, um, I'm saying, don't get me wrong, I'm saying that positive statements you know, uh, uh, may enlighten, there's no question about it, but they don't lead us to the light. They don't lead us into what God has for our lives. And I'm saying don't become a follower of a belief framework that does not you know, point to Jesus, does not bring people to Jesus as the way, the truth and the life. And, um, you know, all of us like to get around positive people too. I don't know about you, I prefer to get around positive people than people that are always negative. You know, uh, those people who, you know, when their shoes wear out, they just figure they're just back on their feet again. You know, I like those kind of people, you know, who think that way. You know, the, the people that are half full, not half empty. You know, the people that when they get to the traffic lights, they're not stoplights, they're go lights. You know, people always seeing the bright side on everything. I like that. But that's not the gospel. That's not the truth. We still need to bring people to Jesus. And, um, and those things won't bring people to Jesus. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. Make sure that you are promoting him so others can believe on him. The Great Commission is all about making disciples, not putting on psychological band-aids on people's emotions. Amen? Get very quiet in here this morning. Let's appreciate that the faith life continues after we come to Christ and receive the promise of salvation. You know, the Apostle Paul taught faith as a lifestyle, not just, a, not, not just as a, a means to a conversion experience. And, and I like what he said in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13. He says, And in keeping with that which is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. Did that go? There we go. And in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. We who have the same spirit of faith also believe and therefore speak. You see, the truth of it is when you get around faith teaching and people learning and how to live by faith, we'll find out very quickly where you're at by what's coming out of your mouth, you see. Because the Bible says that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's coming out of your heart, you know, is going to be in your mouth. 
sooner or later. What you really believe is going to come out of there. And we have a choice. We have a choice to either speak the problem or speak a promise from God's word at any given moment. And I know it's a discipline. I know it's something that we need to give ourselves to and, uh, and keep working at it. But we have that choice. It's like we can go and find a friend who will listen to our doubt and our unbelief. Or alternatively, you can find a friend who, like we were talking about last week, who knows how to pray the, pray the prayer of agreement. Who's going to stand with you and find a promise of God that you can stand on in that situation that you're facing at the moment. That struggle that you're having. A friend that will actually say, yeah, this is what we need to do. Here's the promise of God. Let's stand and believe. Stand and believe until uh, we have the solution. I know um, which approach to adversity and possibilities has worked for me. And I know I learned it. And when I learned it, I felt like the Lord was saying, this is how you do it. When I was going through it for the first couple of times and I was facing difficult things you know, that were outside of my ability to, to handle, things that were out of, outside of my control. And I really, felt like, I really felt like the Lord was saying, you know what? This is how you do it. Now watch. And even remember at one stage when the victory came and I was, I was just, wow, this really worked. You know, my prayer, I'd gotten the answer to my prayer and, and I was so excited and I was just, you know, I wanted to dance. And, and the Lord spoke to me and said, see how you feel right, right now? I said, yeah. And he goes, that's the way you behave after you've prayed. In other words, we do it by faith. We don't do it when we get the answer and we've got it in our hands. We do it by faith when we're still believing for it. We start acting like it's true. Yahoo! You know, and telling our friends. I know you, we friends to think you're a little bit, you know, something going on there with Pete at the moment. But, but yeah, I tell you what, that's faith that pleases God. It's because we're believing it's true. We're believing him on his word and we're seeing it. Uh, fulfilled and those that I've seen choosing the faith life have testimony of divine interventions amen those that, those that know that this is the way this is the lifestyle that we're called to and of course the next step in going into the faith life is this committing your life to the word of God We'll go on talking about that, committing your life to the Word of God. You know, that does mean reading. That does mean getting a log on for the online uh, teaching. It does mean pressing a little harder, getting the Word of God, you know, looking for those opportunities, you know, whether it be buying some books at the, bo- you know, the back of the table or, or uh, you know, listening to the, the podcasts that are actually on our website, usually a day or two after Sunday, if you miss a Sunday service. R- listen to it, download it, go for a walk, go down the beach. Listen to that word. Don't miss those scriptures. We believe that God's downloading his word for this church right now. You know. And that's what I certainly press in for. Go with me to Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. And it says there, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, but Martha was distracted. There wouldn't be a single person in this church today who hasn't been distracted from the word of God at some point in their life. 
by something, by, by a situation, by something that cropped up. There you were, you were going to go and maybe read the word and do something or, or you were fixing to really sort of press into the word of God and something cropped up in your life and distracted you. It's in the Bible. You can read about it in Mark chapter 4 actually in the, the, the parable of the sower. Some of it's from the enemy. You know, but distractions. The lust for other things distract us from doing the word of God. And we miss out on what he intended. All right, we can start again. Don't worry. Don't give yourself a hard time. We can start out again. But notice, Martha was distracted with much serving. And so would you be too. Jesus is coming to her house that day and she's going to have a nice meal on if she has to do it all by herself. That's what she's thinking. And of course, it's not just Jesus. He's got 12 disciples. And ladies, I want to know, when was the last time you had to uh, cook up a meal for about 14 people? You know, you'd be thinking about what, you know, what's in the cupboard. You'd be thinking about, you know, the food. And not only that, but Jesus had all the, you know, the, the tagalongs. You know, he at least had another 70 disciples. So maybe they were turning up as well. And she's wondering where she's going to get them seated and if she's got enough food. So she was somewhat distracted, as most would be. And, of course, the interesting thing is, is that while Jesus was preaching... I don't know about you, but if ever I sat with Jesus preaching, I wouldn't have come up and just disturbed him to, <laughs> to say, Jesus, and he do, she does, she comes up, verse 40, she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister left me to serve alone? In other words, she thinks that she's got a little reason here to interrupt Jesus' message so she can complain about Mary sitting there receiving the word of God. It's a pretty funny scenario when you think about it. And of course, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. When you're getting distracted, people, you need to sort of sit yourself right where Martha was and say, you know what? I'm being distracted and troubled about many things and worried as well. And I need to just stop it and get on with the word of God. Look what it says. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. If you'll find that one thing that is needed and make a commitment to it in your life, you watch what happens. And I tell you, I say that with so much confidence because it happened to me. I remember that moment. I remember that time when God was dealing with me about my commitment, not to the church, not to, you know, one day being a minister of God somewhere, I wasn't, I wasn't chasing after that. I understood from the word of God finally that there was one thing that was needed and that was to commit my life to the word of God, to being around the word of God, hearing the word of God, speaking the word of God, realizing that if I made that change, God would do something. And he did, you know. And he did and it was an, it was an amazing thing to experience. Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, verse 42, but one thing is needed. And I want you to go away today asking yourself, are you doing the one thing that's needed? Question yourself. Am I doing the one thing that's needed? Look what he says. And Mary has chosen that good part. And look what he says, which will not be taken away from her. In other words, she's not coming into the kitchen to help with lunch. Dinner can wait, you know. Because he's the one that knows how to turn a few fish and a few loaves into enough to feed 5,000. 
So what's needed first is to hear the word, to be around the word of God, to sit at Jesus' feet and receive into your life that which is going to inspire faith for you. You know, and not only that, but bless you and bless those around you as well as you start living that way and start shining in the darkness. And we are called to shine in the darkness. Make no mistake, we are called to go out and shine like, what has happened to you? Well, I have, I'm doing the one thing that's needed. You know, and I'm doing that with commitment. I'm, 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 you know, and I speak to the younger people that are here today as well. Don't think that this is just for adults after they turn 20. All right. Don't make the mistake of thinking that that's somehow for those that are older. You can start doing it now and make a difference and, and see the difference that the Word of God makes in your life. Start making an application. Here's where you start. Start with the promises of God. God is not a man that he should lie. So he's made promises that you can stand on, believe, trust in and speak in your life and you watch them come to pass. Whether it be favour, whether it be, you know, uh, you know, friendships that you're having that, are, that, are, that, are, that you sometimes struggle with. Go to the promises of God and find out what he says about that and speak those words. Speak, that, speak life into your situations. It's why we take the children out into children's church so we can teach them those first, you know, foundational concepts of, of working the word in their life. But, you know... Being a person of the word of God is never going to be taken away from you. You have to walk away from it. Watch out for that. Watch out for that decision. You might get distracted, but go back to it. It's that alternative to being worried and troubled, anxious and concerned. And I don't know about you, but I found it's a much better way of living, is avoiding those things. Let's be sure we choose the good part to speak and believe God's word in the midst of the storm, in all of life's adversities, and, and have a testimony that gives God the glory. Have that testimony that speaks of his goodness and his faithfulness to his word. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning and ask the worship team to come on up. And uh, we're going to believe and stand and just, just pray a quick prayer just to cement into our hearts today that little commitment that we're going to make to God's word today. Are you in? Are we in this morning? Yes. Amen. The ministry of your word, Father God, into our hearts. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, uh, it is, Father, through, through faith, Father God, that we walk into your promises, that we, Lord, receive your promises. And, Lord, we thank you today, Lord God, for this, this opportunity, this opportunity to again afresh... Lord, where we need to, where we should, Father, make a fresh commitment to your word, to being not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, Lord. And we know that it's the doers that are blessed, putting into practice, mate, making applications of your word, looking to your promises for the, for the answer, Lord God, of our situations and circumstances, adversities, Lord, the impossibilities of life, Lord, that we face. Lord, we thank you that we run to you with Father, your word in our hearts and your word in our mouths, aligning our lives afresh to your word as a way of life, Father. And Lord, as we do, we thank you, Father, that you do your part as we do our part. You do your part, Lord God, that you give the increase. Lord, you bring the manifestation. You bring the miracle. You bring, Father God, that, that higher life, Lord, that we're all called to. 
And Lord, you demonstrate your goodness and your love. Lord, you are the way maker. But Lord, we need to be word keepers. And we thank you for that, Lord. We commit today, Lord, to be those word keepers that, Father, you so need for you to be the way maker. And Lord, we pray this today in Jesus' precious name from our hearts, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that you bless us. Bless us with manifestations of your goodness and mercy in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.